So we have been uh, talking about uh, uh, the Hallel Psalms, right? Going back to Shabbat, we we're talking about Psalm 113, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And we talked about, uh, so far, uh, Psalm 113, 14, 15, and 16. And now we're coming to uh, the, uh, the major climactic part of these uh, psalms that are read, these great joyful psalms. Uh, and uh, as we come uh, uh, toward the end of them, they really are psalms of expectation and of great joy, and they have a lot of meaning to us, a lot of import, and clearly most of us uh, are aware that a portion of Psalm 118 toward the end is quoted in a few different places in the New Covenant, so uh, there's a lot to be said here. One thing that we said is that uh, these psalms are like a poetic description of the history of God's covenant with the Jewish people. You know, um, going back to uh, the forefathers and Egypt and the Exodus and the parting of the sea and the golden calf and uh, and uh, and then, fo- but focusing on the deliverance, not so much focusing on the sins of the people and what Moses did but mostly focusing on God and his deliverance and how not only the people responded, but even the water responded and the mountains and the animals and and all that. So uh, it's written very poetically so that we just understand the glory of God in his transcendence and how great he is, but then also in his humility. And the passage clearly, I mean, in black and white says it, uh, you know, that, that he humbled himself uh, so that he could, he paid it, he pays attention to the vulnerable people, you know, uh, as and and of course originally that's talking about the Jewish people. They were slaves, and he raised them up. The even the forefathers of Israel, even you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, we said that you know there's a passage in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, my father was a wandering Aramean, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, and so we're in, we remember the humble beginnings and how God has raised up this people uh, for uh, his, uh, his purposes. And then uh, we uh, looked at Moses himself and how Moses, uh, the, the passages go from the third person to the first person. And now Moses, you know, is, is speaking himself. And uh, and uh, in Psalm 116, very interestingly, there are two views on this psalm. One is that this is the inner uh, thinking of Moses as he's dying at the end of his life, uh, and that he realized that even if he died and even if he doesn't see the land, he's going to walk with God in the land of the living, you know, and it's very powerful, a uh, very, very powerful way of understanding uh, of understanding that. Another way of understanding it, because, you know, it's a song, and so songs you can approach from different, you know, different ways, is uh, a God's uh, uh, faithfulness uh, in at the brink of death, he saved us as a people. You know what I mean? That, that kind of thing uh, as, as well. And that even if uh, we do uh, 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 die, God receives us. And we mentioned that great verse in uh, that in Psalm 116 in verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. 
uh, meaning that there's this great assurance in death. And uh, perhaps Moses had this great assurance in his death. And one could say, even in the history of Israel, the sense that even if, even if our generation doesn't see the Olam Haba, that it's coming and that, and that death is not the end, you know? Uh, and that Israel continues and we as people uh, are with the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and so that, that great assurance that God gives his covenant people, you know? Uh, and now, so now we come to Psalm 117 and Psalm 118. So Psalm 117 is, it's the shortest, uh, I'm going to read the entire, the entire Psalm, okay? All right. Uh, Praise the Lord, all nations, laud him all peoples, for his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Now, if we had a few more holidays, maybe I'd spend an entire uh, time on Psalm 117, but I'm not going to do that today. Okay, uh, so here you see this, there's a shift, right? Praise the Lord, all nations, like the whole world, everybody, right? Praise the Lord, everybody, laud him, all peoples, right? For his loving, his chesed is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord, the emet of the Lord is everlasting. Not only is loving kindness but his truth is everlasting. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. And so here is, one might say, a self-understanding of Israel that we are a light to the nations, you know, and calling upon the nations to praise the God of Israel, the one and only God, for his truth is true forever. His loving kindness is great toward us. Uh, and us, uh, may I suggest, is all who call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, is, and that is uh, uh, absolutely right and true. And uh, now one could say, when you look at these as the Hallel Psalms, canonically, as you look at this as a group, that Psalm 117 maybe is the beginning, the introduction to Psalm 118. Okay? An introduction to Psalm 118. Uh, uh, because of its grandeur and uh, uh, ultimately what it means. Psalm 118 is most likely a psalm that was sung uh, on uh, holidays on the way to the temple or going into the temple to worship. Uh, again, with great expectation. Great expectation. And in a way, it tells the whole story in and of itself of God's uh, faithfulness. So when you look at it, if you look at the very beginning of it, it says, the first uh, four verses, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Isn't it interesting? It says his truth is everlasting uh, and his uh, loving kindness is everlasting. His chesed is uh, everlasting. Okay. Uh, and of course, uh, we know from, I'll just throw it out there, that uh, later on in the Brit Chadashah, Yeshua uh, is identified by these attributes, right? He's, he himself is identified by these attributes. Uh, he's identified, by the way, of, by, by all the attributes of, of God, uh, which is a very interesting story in and of itself, okay? All right, so then, it, then you have, oh, let Israel say, his loving kindness is everlasting. 
Oh, let the house of Aaron say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let those who fear the Lord say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Uh, you know, so uh, we might say that there is a real uh, emphasis here on the loving kindness of God is everlasting, right? It's like, get the point. Uh, we're saying it like a bunch of times in a row, right? God's chesed is always. That means it's, a bottom, it's, it's bottomless. Remember I said this in some recent service, right? It's just like, you know, when you, when you go to the restaurant and you get the uh, drink that has free refills, right? It just, there's no stopping, you know? And so the chesed of God never ends. The loving kindnesses of God never cease, we read elsewhere, right? Uh, the loyal love of God, the steadfast love of God, the covenantal love of a God, the protection of uh, 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 God, the guidance uh, of God, the promises of God. Never cease, never end. Okay? Now, if you go to the very end of Psalm 118, the very end, well, wouldn't you know it? Uh, in verse 29, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Now, so here, you know what I'm going to say, right? When you read in a psalm, especially in a psalm, that the beginning and the end are like the same thing, then everything in the middle is like explaining what that beginning and the end is saying, okay? So the loving kindness of God is forever, so in Psalm 113, 114, 115, and 116, and of course uh, exclaimed in 117, uh, is that the, the covenantal faithfulness, uh, loving care, guidance, protection uh, of, God, the, uh, of God never fails, never ceases. And so what we have here is a song that describes how God has done that through the ages, right? Okay, so uh, uh, we could say uh, that if we're going to look at this uh, again from Psalm 113 on, we could say, well, we focused on the fathers, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We focused on Moses. We focused on the Exodus, on God's faithfulness during the episode of the golden calf. Uh, and what we could say now, and, and then uh, God's faithfulness to Moses, even at the end of his life, in giving him such great assurance that even though he died and he didn't see the land, he was still with God and walked with God in the land of the living, okay? That now you have like this whole span of history now of the prophets, you know, the, the kings of Israel uh, and God's faithfulness culminating in the, the great messianic victory. Okay? All right. So we read here now, then, in verse uh, 5. 5 to 9. I, well, let me just, before I even read that, let me just say, so not only Israel's history, but anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. Let those who fear the Lord, you know, uh, as it says in uh, verse um, um, uh, 4. Oh, let those who fear the Lord say... His loving kindness is everlasting. Uh, and uh, back in verse in, in 117, praise the Lord, all nations, laud him, all peoples. Right? 
So it's all who call upon the name of the Lord. And that, even in Jewish sources in Psalm 118, comes out, you'll see in a few minutes. Okay, so we can all say this great statement. We can all sing this great song, that God's presence is ever with us. And that's why this is so powerful on Sukkot. All right. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among all those who help me. Therefore, I shall look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So, we have this uh, great statement uh, told uh, in the first person. Uh, but applying to the, the whole nation, but all of us as individuals, you know, and as, uh, as a community, right? From my anguish, it's a very strong word, from my anguish, from my distress, I called upon the Lord. You might say, from this place, I was, I was from this place where I was at, this place of distress, this place of, one might say, confinement, this place of anguish, I called upon the Lord. And the Lord answered me, and he sent me in a different place. He sent me in a large place, a broad open place, a free place, a redeemed place, a delivered place. See? Uh, oh, uh, he says here, the Lord is for me. You know, isn't it the simplicity is so wonderful? The Lord's for me, you know? I, uh, uh, I will not fear. What can man do to me, you know? Uh, I, and then he goes on to say, it is better to take refuge in the Lord, therefore, than to trust in man. God is for me. I wonder on this day, how many of us really believe that? You know what I mean? I know that theologically we know the Lord is for us, right? We would never say the Lord is against me. Right? But I wonder how many of us walk around with a gray cloud over our heads all day, every day, saying, I have blown it. God is not for me. Maybe he's putting up with me, but he's definitely not for me. I've disappointed him so many times that how could he be for me anymore? Right? And so, I, you know, the simplicity of it, we can't just pass over and say, oh, we obviously get that the Lord is for me. No, the Lord is for you. You know, uh, perhaps this is what was on the mind of Paul in the book of Romans, in the uh, eighth chapter, in the 31st verse. What shall we say? Well, actually, oh, see, we have to go back. All right. Okay. Uh, let's just go back to verse uh, 29. For whom the Lord foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And when he predestined these, he also called, and whom he, and, oh, and whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who is against us? It doesn't matter who's against us if God is for us. 
If God is for us, we're, we win. If God is for us, we can walk down the street and not worry something's going to happen. You know, like someone else is going to come and beat us up because we have God with us, you know. Uh, and who, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so we can have an assurance that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we do, he's for us. However, when we sin and when we walk off the path, we certainly don't have the assurance of it anymore, you, you know? Uh, you, can't, you can't just say, it doesn't matter what I do, I got this verse in my back pocket. It doesn't work that way, right? No. But uh, when we cry out to God, he hears us. When, when we uh, desire him, he hears us, you know? He never turns away. This is what... This is what loving kindness is. It's loyal love. But you know, it's kind of like a two-way street in certain respects. Chesed is a two-way street. When we show God chesed, it means that we're loyal, God. We're, we're on the path. That's, you know, the Shema is like a loyalty oath, you know? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, we love God no matter what, with every ounce of our being. We have an assurance of knowing that when we have that in our heart, even when we mess up, God is loyal to us. The difference is, is that he never messes up, that he's always loyal to us. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? I mean, he sent Yeshua into this world to die for our sins, right? He delivered, up his, he delivered up Yeshua for us. Isn't that enough he, for us to know that he's for us? He's not going to go halfway. He's going to finish the whole thing, you see? Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, by the way, in verses 38 and 39, I, uh, well, I guess in verse 34, he who is... Uh, who is the one who condemns? Messiah Yeshua is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? He's for us. He intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. He's for us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can run away and we can, we can be like the prodigal who is still the father's son but could not uh, um, uh, apprehend the blessings uh, but, but uh, uh, could not experience uh, that kind of uh, intimacy with God. But God is loyal. His loving kindness is forever. So uh, he is for us, okay? So on Sukkot, we need to remember that, the, the ever-presence of God. He is indeed for us, right? Uh, and then in verse 10, now we have this statement 
that probably would have been said by a variety of kings, you know? Uh, All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished as a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. That should sound familiar, right? So uh, some would say that this is referring to Egypt, because you read this in the uh, Az Yashir Moshe, the, you know, the, uh, the Song of Moses in Exodus 15, right? I, uh, uh, but maybe, like we said last night, maybe uh, the whole Exodus experience and maybe Exodus 15 is like a prototype of deliverance, you know? That's kind of how Yeshua seems to portray it. Uh, and, and that therefore... Uh, whether we're talking about that, you know, the exodus of Egypt, or maybe when us, the Assyrians and the, the Babylonians and the Egyptians uh, were surrounding uh, Israel. This is a statement of great victory, that you brought us victory. Maybe it's referring also to the time after the Babylonian captivity, when Israel comes back to the land. You know, you've been so faithful that we've come back to the land, you, you know? Uh, and uh, uh, we called out to you in the name of the Lord. Uh, uh, you strengthened us uh, and you gave us victory. And, and we could say even now, right, in Yeshua, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He's my strength. In Yeshua, I can be upright. In Yeshua, I can move forward. In Yeshua, it doesn't matter where the arrows are coming from. In Yeshua, it doesn't matter uh, you know, how bad it looks because my life is hidden in Messiah Yeshua who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Right, The unseen real world. There is victory that we have in the Messiah. When we are in the quicksand, we're, we're not remembering in that moment. If we're, you know, getting down and down and down and down and uh, uh, we're, we're, we're not remembering in that moment that we are seated with him in heavenly places. This is the unseen real uh, world. Uh, and, uh, and that's what this means. You know, uh, the Lord is my strength and my song. You know, he's my joy and also my, my, my song in the sense of I can walk uh, with, uh, with victory and with courage. You know, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. And he is my deliverer, you see? And so may we always remember that. That's why these are in songs, because you all remember songs, right? Last night, when I, when I mentioned that song, Nowhere Man, I'll bet four people could have got up and sang that whole song, right? Right. Uh, and and uh, because you know we're wired for singing, right? We're wired for songs as human beings. That's why we remember things we sing. Okay, uh, and uh, and so uh, these are indeed this is poetry, and these are songs. And so it's here, so we'll remember it, so that those 
pilgrims going from the nations into Jerusalem, remember who God is, you know, on, uh, on Sukkot. And so may we as well, and so may we be encouraged. And all of this is saying in one way or the other that God is ever-present, you know? That, he, that his dwelling, that, that, that Israel is his sanctuary, or Judah is his sanctuary, and Judah is his dominion, as it says in Psalm 114, right? And of course, he dwells among us, right? We are the body of Messiah, the temple, right? Today, anyway, right? Okay. And then we see, so, that, so his loving kindness uh, is that he gives us a victory from our enemies. In my distress, he strengthened me. And now we see it here, uh, you know, nations surrounded me. Now it says, the sound of joyful shouting uh, and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. Okay? Uh, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and tell of the words of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Okay. So here uh, you have the, the, the people singing or the person singing that uh, God, uh, uh, you know, the right hand of God is, is his power, right? The right hand of God is his power. Uh, and uh, uh, by the way, where is Yeshua seated, right? At the right hand uh, of the Father. Where are we seated? We are seated with him uh, at the right hand of uh, the Father. So the right hand of God is exalted, does valiantly. I shall not die, but live. Why? Because of the chesed of God, the loving kindness, the deliverance, the faithfulness, the guidance, all of it of God, Right? Uh, now, the Lord has disciplined me severely, and he has not give, but he has not given me over to death. You know uh, where it says uh, in Psalm 117, the truth of the Lord is everlasting. The truth of the Lord is everlasting. And you know how, uh, we won't take the time to go there, but in uh, Exodus 34, you, you know, truth, loving kindness, they go together, right? Uh, and you know how uh, we read uh, in uh, John 1, right? Uh, grace and truth, right? Yeshua manifests grace and truth, right? Okay. When he can say, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death, this is how we embrace the truth. This is embracing the truth of God. The truth of God is, uh, uh, means several different things. Like, you know, Hebrew words are like always pregnant with meaning, right? Gushing out with all semantic range, you know, all over the place, right? Uh, so uh, truth means he's true, he's faithful. That's one thing. That's the word faithful is derived from this word, okay? That he's faithful, like, like true, he's true, you know? The real deal, right? But it also means truth. So that, you know, sometimes when we suffer, God is disciplining us. And it is... It is the chesed of God for us to recognize that, to recognize the truth, you know? Uh, and so it says, he disciplined me severely. He doesn't, so the psalmist, he doesn't run away from God. He doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, you know, Satan did this. No, he actually uh, attributes it to God, right? But he has not given me over to death. He never gives up on us, right? 
He never, like, remember Jonah, right? He ran the other way. God disciplined him severely, but not to death, right? Uh, and so uh, may we be encouraged that God's loving kindness is forever, you know? And we have such, uh, you know, in another context, in Psalm 116, even in death, we can have assurance uh, and confidence, you, you know? Uh, his, his, uh, his chesed never ceases, even when we die. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, in verses 19, 20, and 21, more. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. Uh, I shall give thanks to thee, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. Uh, and so this is actually a picture. Many would say this is the people entering into the gates of the temple, you, you know, uh, and say, I will give entering into the, 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 the structure there, and I will give thanks because uh, he, uh, he delivered me. Uh, in, and, uh, and, and recognizing that and, and remembering that. Uh, now, it is very interesting, though, and it just, it just goes to show you in Jewish, in the Jewish world, in the ancient Jewish world, there were, you know, many opinions about a lot of these things. So when it talks about the righteous, just this, early this morning I was reading this, uh, there's, there's a particular, uh, you know, re, re, uh, commentary uh, that, that goes back to maybe eight or 900, that, that per, period of time. And, uh, and it says here, because it doesn't say, when it says righteous, Okay, okay, the question is always, who is the righteous, right? Uh, and, and it says, well, it doesn't say Judah, and it doesn't say uh, Israel, uh, and it doesn't say, like, the patriarchs. And, and so what uh, this particular uh, Jewish uh, commentator from the ancient world says, these are the righteous of the nations who come into Jerusalem, going back to, oh, nations, I, you know, I uh, laud him all peoples. The loving kindness of God is great toward us. And so that's kind of interesting. I, I, and uh, uh, so when, when it says here the righteous, there's uh, uh, the, the thought that perhaps it is, uh, you know, the, the righteous of the nations. In the, uh, but, but I think that for us, if, you go back, if we go back to what we talked about on Shabbat, Remember we talked at the very beginning when it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, you servants of the Lord, praise the Lord. And that uh, it's directed to, uh, uh, you know, Eved Adonai, the, the servants of the Lord, servants of the Lord, a servant of the Lord. Who is a servant of the Lord, right? So the way that we can really be joyful here, the way that we really give thanks, is not only by just reading it in the Bible, or having it on a, a doctrinal statement, but by living it out, by being a slave of Messiah, by being a servant of the Lord, by living for him. What happens to us uh, when we live for him, it's not like a millstone around our neck. When we serve God, what ends up happening is the opposite of the caricature of serving God. The caricature of serving God is, I want to serve God. That, makes, that means he's going to send me to the poorest country of the world 
uh, to live for the rest of my life, uh, you know, in a little hut where it's 150 degrees. Uh, that's what it means to serve God. Or I'm going to serve God. Oh, that means he won't give me any desires of my heart because I'm serving God. I'm serving God. So it's like a millstone around my neck. I'm serving God, right? That's the caricature. That's the caricature. What's in the Bible is the opposite. It's the opposite. That when we serve God, when we give our lives, and when we're a living sacrifice, we're satisfied. We're joyful. Dare I say happy. You, you know? Uh, and so it's, it's, it's always a The Bible is full of paradoxes. Those who are first are what? Last. Those who are last are what? First. That's how it works. It's like the opposite of the caricature. The opposite of the way that people generally view these things. See? Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, um, therefore, uh, the righteous are whoever is a servant of the Lord. And we can really rejoice. And we can say, I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my deliverance, because the deliverance is more important than anything else. Okay? Ah, so now we come to the, to the last section. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Thou art my God and I will give thanks to you. Thou art my God, I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So here, when we see uh, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone in its context. Original, this is Israel saying, you've delivered us, and we were, the, we were the, the least of the nations. The stone which the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone, the stone holding it all together. It is marvelous in our eyes. And just as Yeshua is at the right hand of God, and Yeshua is indeed the gate entering in, Yeshua is the stone that the builders uh, rejected. And what's interesting about this is there are several places in the Tanakh that, re that call Israel certain names. And in the Bricharashah, Yeshua becomes those names. Yeshua is the servant of the Lord. I mean, um, Israel is the servant of the Lord, right? Uh, Yeshua is the servant of the Lord. One of the great ones is the vine and the vineyard. I, I won't take the time now, but you can read on your own the fifth chapter of Isaiah. When you read the fifth chapter of Isaiah and then put it next to a, a John chapter 15, you then realize that John 15 is about Isaiah chapter 5, okay? And Israel is the vineyard. Israel is the vines. And the Messiah is the vine in the vineyard that makes the whole vineyard flourish, okay? He is the servant that makes the servant 
Israel flourish. And so he is the stone which the builders rejected, which makes Israel ultimately become the stone which the builders rejected, become the chief cornerstone. And it's interesting that when I that it's interesting that I should mention the vine and the stone. Why would I why would I mention together Isaiah chapter 5 and Psalm 118? Maybe it's because Yeshua does that, right? Right, maybe. Uh, there's several places that we could quickly uh, look. Uh, let's look in Mark chapter 12. For some reason, I always like to go to that one. It's also in Matthew chapter 21 and elsewhere. But in Mark chapter 12, it's, more, it's a succinct in Mark chapter 12. Okay. In Mark chapter 12, it says in verse 1, And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it. In your Bible, is that like uh, either in italics or all caps or have a little number next to it or a little letter next to it? And it might say Isaiah chapter 5. Okay? I, uh, it says here, And dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. And the harvest, and at the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent them another slave, and they wounded him in the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, uh, and that one they killed, so with many others, beating some and killing others. He had one more to send, a beloved son. Get it? Right? Okay. He sent him last of all uh, to, say, uh, to them saying, they will respect my son. But those vine growers said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine growers and will give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So Yeshua ties together the parable of the vineyard in Isaiah with the end of Psalm 118. Okay? Now, if you read that parable in Isaiah, you see the vineyard is falling apart. You know, uh, the vineyard is all dried up. The vineyard is... Is, is no good anymore, right? Uh, and so Yeshua is saying, I'm the vine. I'm coming as, a, as one of the vines to heal the vineyard, right? But uh, I am being rejected just like it says in Psalm 118, okay? Uh, and what's interesting is uh, Psalm 118 is being spoken of, uh, of, of the kingdom of Israel, uh, is being spoken of of the uh, it's in the words of of a king and it's and it's personalized uh, and and so evidently in the second temple period in the first century what we call the first century the end of the second temple period this end of Psalm one eighteen was understood in a messianic way because when Yeshua is coming into Jerusalem. You know, and they recognize this is the son of David. This is the king of Israel, the son of David. What do they? Uh, what do they all uh, uh, say? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Blessed is he. They quote Psalm 118 in this very same context when Yeshua comes into Jerusalem. So there's an understanding that this is about the ultimate victory. You know, that this is not just because by the time you get to the first century, people are, have been kind of disillusioned already about their own day. And they recognize now that it's about the, for, it's about the future day. There's a future day when we will have our complete deliverance. And Yeshua says, this is about me. This is about me. Yeshua is the stone which the builders rejected. And here, we, you know, when Yeshua says it, it gives clarity to the whole thing. And, and what he's really saying is, the, the leadership of the nation has led us astray. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the leadership of the nation to my people, to the apostles, to the Messiah followers. Never let it be said, because it's said all the time, when this is preached on or taught on, and from a Matthew especially, but also in Mark, that when it says, it, that he says, I'm going to give this to, I'm going to give the uh, vineyard, the, the, uh, the, the oversight to others, what do you think is always, almost always, who that is? The, the church, the, 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 uh, from, from, it goes like from Jew to Gentile, right? You know, uh, uh, and, and so on and so forth. From Israel to the church, and otherwise known as replacing Israel with the church. And that's not what he's saying at all, okay? And so he's saying that he is the stone which the builders rejected. And so if anybody is going to be praising God, it should be us. It should be us who recognize the stone. Because what else does he say there? That people trip over the stone. People trip over the stone. And they hurt themselves, right? They trip over the stone when they don't recognize Yeshua. They're tripping over the stone. And so, but, but this stone is the great stone. And it is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. When it says, this is the day which the Lord has made, let us rejoice in it. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of deliverance. And Yeshua is basically saying that's what this is about. That this is indeed about him. Right? So we could say then that in the whole span of the Hallel, it's about God's chesed throughout all of Jewish history. Uh, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Yeshua himself and beyond. <laughs> And beyond, right? To us today, as we, uh, as we say, you know, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Uh, as we look forward ourselves indeed to the future. This is a song indeed that we sing. O Lord, do save, we beseech thee, O Lord, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord God, he's given us light he certainly has. So let us worship, it says in other words. So let us worship him. Let us give thanks. Let us extol him. Because like we said at the beginning, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his chesed is indeed forever. And so uh, we can rejoice in Psalm 118. Uh, truly, we can say that in the history of God, in the way that uh, uh, he has overseen and has been faithful and guided and protected Israel, we can all relate to that, every one of us. When we uh, uh, embrace Yeshua, uh, when uh, we fear the Lord, 
It doesn't matter uh, what our background is. It doesn't matter uh, who we are. Uh, that's why in Zechariah 14, all the nations are going to come to Jerusalem on Sukkot and worship the Lord, the King. Uh, and, uh, and so what a great word indeed uh, for us uh, today. And so uh, on, uh, on Sukkot, uh, we, um, uh, we take our lulavs and etrogs and we give thanks to God, thanking him for all that he's done for us. And, and uh, may we uh, be able to say, uh, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness, his mercies endure forever.